This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Heroic Henderson, club captain, one of the five Reds captains to lift the European Cup, who this week celebrates 10 years a Liverpool player. But he's had his critics along the way. Even this weekend, Roy Keane questioning his selection for Euro 2020. We'll be getting into that, setting the record straight looking back through some of Henderson's best moments here on Blood Red. Here to do that, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, our chief Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle, and Blood Red's Matt Addison. Gentlemen, I hope you're all well. Gorsty, I'll come to you. And well, it's beyond doubt these days, isn't it? Jordan Henderson, an absolute legend of Liverpool Football Club in the modern era, albeit, as I said before, he he has had criticism along the way. Yeah, he has. Um, and to be fair, I think he's at a point now where people are still... People made an opinion of him ten years ago, and and they're still kind of sticking with that. You know, people who don't really think that he's a top midfield player in the Premier League are still going off something that was formed in their minds ten years ago. I think. Um, I think what he's done over the last, particularly the last three or four years at Liverpool, has just taken him to to legendary status, and um, and he's a true football. You know, he's a true captain of the football club, isn't he? You know. I think he'd probably be the first to say that he's not someone who, you know, he hasn't got the ability of a Graeme Souness or a Steven Gerrard. But in terms of being an actual captain, I don't think there's many better than him in terms of what he represents. Obviously, on the pitch, um, dragging the team, for, a team full of superstars, and it with Van Dyke and Salah, Mane, you know, you can go right throughout the team. But uh, Henderson kind of uh, keeps keeps them all together, controls them on, and uh, he can play a bit as well. And, that's always underrated with Henson as passing Rangers' ability to get about the pitch and, and just be a real kind of enforcer, whether he's a number eight or a number six, however you want to call it. But um, the, the biggest thing for me is um, is what he does off the pitch. You know, w- when there's a message that needs conveying, whether it's about Hillsborough or something over the Super League a few weeks ago, and, and we know that he he he, um, he was very influential in basically the Liverpool team breaking rank and basically saying this isn't for us and kind of uh, nail their colours to the mast that day. And, and that was all down to Henderson and, and his leadership. The work he did with the rest of the Premier League captains to support the NHS last year. Um, he's done a, a lot of work that, that's been, um, you know, he, he's, he's been recognised by, um, you know, certain awards for his contributions in, in certain areas. And and just generally, you know, he's an absolute um, leader, isn't he? You know, on on the pitch and off the pitch. And uh, he's, a, he's a very kind of, um, modern football captain for a club as big as big as Liverpool, that is what you need to be. You need to be a symbol beyond just kind of playing ninety minutes of a Saturday or a Sunday. You are kind of a figurehead of of this worldwide, you know, organisation, and, and that is what he is. And um, he's a top player to boot, so um, can't speak highly enough of him, really. Yeah, Doyley, did you envisage when he signed back in the summer of twenty eleven that he would go on to have the the Liverpool career he has? Oh yeah, that's what everybody was saying. Everybody was saying he's, he's, this is the the man who's going to take Liverpool back to win the Premier League and, and win the European Cup and whatever have you. No, I mean Steven Gerrard was somebody who said it. That's interesting. I remember at the time writing about it, he was saying that let's hope that he's going to be the next Steven Gerrard and he can do this, that, and the other. And he can go, you know, obviously he's his own man, his own type of player. But he has, as Gorsty's just said, he has taken on some of the traits that. That, that Gerard has, and what's also interesting, he's done it while not being a local lad either. 
I mean, it's easy for someone like Gerard or Carragher to do that in, in the sense of knowing exactly what the community, you know, the, the wider Liverpool community, what they need and what, what their emotions are and how they feel about things. But he's kind of just, probably because he's been here for that long. But ever since he first started, he, he was he was always looking to, to do something like that. He was always looking to step into those shoes. And obviously, for the first 18 months, two years of his career, we're still trying to find a position where to play exactly. But... You know, once he, you know, the, we all know the story about the Clint Dempsey swap move with Fulham. Once he kind of got over that and he responded to that, he's, he's somebody who's been in the Liverpool starting eleven almost ever since. So, you know, fair play to him. But no, nobody would have seen coming what's happened. But then, as Gorsty said, the perception about him should really have changed over the over the last decade because he's a completely different I wouldn't say he's a completely different person or a different kind of player because he always was a decent player. That's why Liverpool spent an awful lot of money to, to sign him in the first place. I'm just going off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it was something like £16 million, pounds, yeah. which is, even now, if you buy a sign someone for £16 million, pounds, you're going, that's, that's a fair amount. But back then, it was an awful lot. That's something else they had to cope with, that, that price tag. So, you know, I don't think anybody could have seen this coming. But if you look at it from year to year, I don't think anybody's surprised by what's happened. I suppose it just underlines that determination, doesn't it, Matt, and the points that have been made by both Paul and Ian in terms of the characteristics of Jordan Henderson coming in as a 20-year-old for £16 million. Money had been thrown at other British players at the time, Andy Carroll, of course, Stuart Downing as well. Didn't work out for them, but Jordan Henderson just sort of refused to give up on his Liverpool career at any stage. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's the the sort of persistence. We know that he's got the quality, but he's got those other things that you need to become a real top-class footballer as well. And I mean, we obviously always talk about ability and, and how good you are, say, at passing or shooting or, or all of the different aspects of the game. But a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is is that side of it as well. Obviously, his fitness, his professionalism, his leadership, all of those things come into it. But yeah, I mean, there's just been so many occasions that he's been questioned. Roy Keane this weekend was was the latest one, but there's been countless examples of that, really. I mean, you think when Virgil van Dijk came to the club, there was a question from certain aspects of, of Liverpool's supporters of should van Dijk be the captain and, and not Henderson, which you know, I disagreed at the time, and I think no one would disagree with that now. I mean, obviously, van Dijk is a brilliant leader, brilliant footballer, but Jordan Henderson has, has absolutely got that role and, and deserved it. So, yeah, there's just so many examples of that. But with each example of him being criticised or him being you know, on the, the wrong side of things, if you like, from certain pundits or other supporters, Liverpool supporters at times, he's always just got on with it, being professional, got on with his game and, and shown again, time and time again, how good a footballer he is. And I think it, it will be a huge thing as, as much as we talk about Van Dijk and Gomez and, and those players coming back next season. It'll be a big thing for, for Jordan Henderson as well. Yeah, we spoke on Friday's podcast about Gabby Abonglahore and his criticism of Jordan Henderson being picked for Euro 2020. And before we get back onto his Liverpool career, let's get into this debate that's now rumbling on and Roy Keane adding his weight to the uh, debate, saying he doesn't think he should have gone, that he's heard that he does great things around the place and what is he there for? And mocked him, really, saying, is he there for card tricks? Does he sing songs, do quizzes in the evening? Uh, first things first, before we really get into it, does anyone think Jordan Henderson shouldn't be going to Euro 2020? Doily? Um, no, I think he should, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gorsley? No, not at all. He's, he's in there on minutes, isn't he? He played 45 minutes yesterday. Uh, good workout for him. Um, he may not necessarily start against Croatia, but um, why, why would you not have him, have him in the group? I mean, Gareth Southgate made that point, didn't he? Uh, he was allowed to pick 26, so that afforded him the opportunity to maybe pick players who weren't 
100% there and then, but um, you know, in, in a week or 10 days down the line, then Henderson w- will be feeling you know somewhere closer towards that. So why why wouldn't he? Sure, we'll get into Roy Keane's comments in a minute, so um, I'll leave off for now. Yeah, um, Matt, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think he's got to be there. I think the, the the biggest thing to come out of the comments and these sorts of things is that nobody's no one has said anything about Harry Maguire, who's in pretty much the exact same position of maybe not being fit. Is he there? Yeah. So it, it doesn't really make a huge amount of sense. I think even if you went through the entire tournament and Jordan Henderson could only come off the bench for 20 or 30 minutes in each of the matches, I think you'd, you'd still take him even then. So yeah, it's a, it's a surprising one, I think. There's no doubt in my mind that he should be there. And obviously, he brings the the off-the-pitch things and that that will be a, a huge part of a tournament. I think that's you know a, a sort of underrated part of a tournament of keeping the group together. Obviously, they're away, they're, they're isolated for, for a period of time where they have to, to get on and, and having you know big personalities and, and leaders like Henderson there will be huge. But you know, in terms of, of midfield options, the, there's no doubt that, that Jordan Henderson really at full fitness is number one name on the team sheet in the centre of midfield. So, yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any sense, the suggestion that he shouldn't be there. No, and Doyley, the comments about sort of the, the playing card tricks, singing songs, doing quizzes, this is a guy who's captain, decides to both a European Cup and a Premier League title the following season. If you're in a tournament to win something, surely you want those kind of guys about, even if, as Matt's saying, he might not be fit till maybe halfway through the tournament. Yeah, I mean, with, with Roy Keane's comments, I, mean, I actually watched them at the time, but then everyone's forgotten what he said after the game, where he said, well, you actually played quite well during the game when he came on for that that little spell. And you have to remember that Roy Keane was, I'm pretty sure he, was, he gave away Henderson his debut, didn't he? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right, yeah. So he knows him, he's known him, and he, you know, he was calling him Jordan. You know, he doesn't call all the players by first name, does he, when he starts having a go at them. So I think it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, I reckon, what he was saying beforehand. But... Overall, in terms of taking him to the tournament, I think a lot of people, certainly the, the slightly older people such as myself, are kind of used to England taking players that are unfit. A bit before my time, but in 1982, they took Kevin Keegan and Trevor Brook in and they barely played. You got Brian Robson, 86 and 1990, going through to David Beckham, 2002. Pretty sure Rooney in 2010 wasn't quite fully fit. Michael Owen in 2006. 2006 yeah. yeah, Michael Owen as well. So... There has been this long history of, of, of England taking chances on players that aren't fully fit. And, and the difference is, as Matt said, they've got the extra three places so they can do what they want. And it is a bit odd that no one's talking about Harry Maguire, but I think part of the reason there is because they're just desperate for Harry Maguire to get back. So, they, they you know, I just tell you, it fits in with what Gorsi said right at the beginning. There's still this perception that Henderson's not good enough for England, yet he's still good enough to lead one of the very few teams in English football history to become champions of the world. So I think he knows what he's doing. And if you've got a manager like Jurgen Klopp, who, again, has been said, you've got Van Dijk there, you've got Milner there, you had Wijnaldum Alden there, you had all these great leaders, that it's Henderson that the one, it's still the one that they all look up to. So that says something. And that's it, isn't it, Gorsty? Because of his qualities and everything, other than the injury, there's no doubt whether Jordan Henderson merits his place in that England squad, albeit he's been out for three and a half months. So therefore he is going to be somewhat rusty, but he is certainly amongst the 26 best players for England, vice-captain, I believe, as well. And you can completely understand why. Yeah, well, the, the key thing is, is he's not going with an injury, is he? You know, he's, he's, he, was, he was on the bench for Liverpool against Crystal Palace and, OK, there might have been a little element of let's put him on there to um, to show that, he, that he's fit enough to be part of a match day squad. And Liverpool never really intended to use him, but 
he'd come off the bench yesterday, he's played 45 minutes, he's going to be training over the next week or so. So he's not a player who's going into the tournament with carrying an injury, is he? So he's um, he's, he's, he's fit enough to, to play whatever part that Southgate thinks he's, he's able to. So uh, for me, it's, it's a non-issue really. I mean, uh, I was disappointed by Keane's comments. I mean, we all know he's the rent-a-quote, you know, mouth-to-mouth. Um, just says things to, to go viral on, on Twitter, doesn't he? You know, ITV Sport put out a little two-minute clip of that yesterday and it gets shared all around Twitter, all around Instagram, and everyone thinks it's hilarious because, oh, look at what Roy Keane said this time. And, and that's that's why he makes these kind of comments, you know, for, for that. That's why he, he remains in employment as a pundit because um, he's not bringing any kind of insights that someone who's won whatever it is, seven Premier League titles and managed certain clubs um should be bringing. He's kind of just someone who mouths off and says something for a bit of shock value. So um, I wasn't surprised by them, but I was a bit disappointed that he showed to do it with someone who who he knows very well and somebody who he's given a, a top flight baby to, I think. So, um, look, it's, this is just what Roy Keane does. So um, Twitter will get into a bit of a furore about it. Some will find it hilarious. Some will shake their head at it like me, but um, that's what Keane does. I mean, Jordan Henderson, if he's fit, available, um, walks into the England squad every day of the week. The, th- the thing about this is, for sorry, guy. The thing about yeah. this also is that England, you know, after a long season, where not just England, all, all of the all of them this year because of the way that the season's been condensed, Henderson will be completely fine and fresh. So they actually should be like thinking, hang on, if we get through these opening games and he's you know gets up to a bit of match fitness, he could be brilliant because everyone else will be completely knackered. So there is that side of it, and also with Maguire is that. He actually is injured, isn't he? Yeah. He's actually, yeah, as a, you know, as Gorsty said, uh, Jordan Henderson hasn't been injured for quite some time, but because he was out for a lot longer, it's taken him a lot longer to get match fitness than it would for Maguire. He's only been out for like three or four weeks. So swings and roundabouts there, but I just think that it's a chance worth taking. In fact, I don't even think it's a chance. I just think it's just, I don't even know why we're even talking about it, to be honest. Yeah, sorry, I just brought it up. And, uh, <laughs> I, I suppose one thing. Else. I just met everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, jo- I'm, I'm joking. I suppose one thing, Matt, he won't probably be taking penalties. No, no. I mean, as much as you know, the the decision to to take him was correct. Probably the decision to to take the penalty maybe wasn't, but I can understand why he did. I mean, he is the senior player. He was the captain at the time, and, and Southgate did say afterwards something along the lines of, you know, he was the captain at the time, and it was kind of his right to, to make that decision. I don't think he scored a goal yet, has he, for England? So you could no. sort of see why if he if he took that penalty, kind of got that, that would have been, you know, a, a big thing for, for him personally. But yeah, again, it, it, it's not a huge issue. I don't think it's not exactly as if England have never missed a penalty before, is it? No, definitely not. No, I think it also underlines his respect he's got, doesn't it, within the dressing room. I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin said after the game that he hadn't scored for England before he wanted to and therefore Calvert-Lewin stepped aside and, and let Henderson take it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Anyway, let's let's get back onto his Liverpool career. And Doyle, you've obviously watched his Liverpool career unfold every step of the way and something we, we did refer to before, even within Liverpool fans himself, he's not always been universally popular. And I suppose one of the big issues was having to step into those shoes left by Steven Gerrard. Yeah, I mean, I suppose a turning point would be the League Cup semi-final against Chelsea in 2015, where he, he kind of fronted up to Diego Costa and everybody found that slightly amusing. Uh, but yeah, I think he was, obviously he was, he was named captain, wasn't he, about five months after that, when Gerrard left for uh, LA Galaxy. Um, but 
for Henderson, I think the moment that I think people realised how important he was was when he wasn't there for the end of the 2014 season, yeah. when Victor Moses decided to run off with the ball, lost it, and so they put Henderson in a bit of a tricky position. But they were beating City 3-2 at the time, and he had to go. I think it was Nasri, wasn't it? He, he had to go in on him. You know, Nasri got there first. It was clearly a, a red card, and that meant that he missed the games against Chelsea and Crystal Palace, and we all know what happened there, kind of thing. So. I think he missed the Norwich game as well. It was where Liverpool just about got through with that one three two. Remember that. But all of those games, Henderson wasn't there. And I remember at the time, Brendan Rodgers had said he was the manager of Liverpool. Said um, Jordan said he's quite happy to take on loads of media duties so the players don't have to because the ones who are available can then concentrate on the games themselves. He was saying what a great gesture that was. So in that respect, even then we would have been what 24? 23, 24, I think. So 23, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, that's somebody who even then has got that kind of leadership quality. So I think, yeah, but there are all, I mean, let's let's be brutally honest here. There are going to be some fans who, Liverpool fans who will never warm to him because the longer a player stays at a club, the less exciting they become, mostly. It's like, um, they're very, there, are, there are some exceptions there. I mean, they're all attackers, almost all attackers. But that he's never really, because he hasn't got the kind of, he's very good at an awful lot of stuff, but he's not good. Or rather, he doesn't even need to do the flashy stuff in his game, does he? That's not his game. It never has been. And I think he's the kind of player that the other players really love playing alongside. That's why he can play. Look, he played centre-back for a bit. They did perfectly fine. He can play defensive midfield. He's had to change his game to under Jurgen Klopp to you know rein in those attacking thoughts that he had where he could have gone on goal. You've seen some of the goals that he scored. A goal against City, goal at Chelsea where he put one in the top corner. He can, he can do that and he's got his game, but he doesn't have to because he's playing in a Liverpool team that's got an awful lot more players who can do that. So, I don't know. I think I think there are some Liverpool fans who will never be convinced, but <laughs> I don't understand why. Yeah, I think I think for me that's one of actually his, his biggest qualities, isn't it? How he gets more out of the players around him than they can get out of themselves. And if you can lift the players around you as much as maybe he can play to a certain level, it's a, a big, big skill to have. In fact, we had an interview with Nat Phillips that went out over the course of the weekend and he said about Jordan Henderson playing centre-back that he hoped he wouldn't stay there for all too long because he put all centre-backs out of a job. He'd done such a, a good uh, job in that position. But Gorsty, what was? is there a moment for you? What was the moment that you thought, yeah, Jordan Henderson, he is going to be obviously a Liverpool legend, a Liverpool player forevermore that will be remembered fondly by and large by majority of Liverpool supporters? Um, I don't think there was any one particular moment that, that the way Doyle points to that game against Chelsea. I, I think winning the Champions League was the big one, wasn't it? Because I think that was when, you know, like like pretty much everyone in this Liverpool squad, they went from um, a team with the potential to win things to a team that has now actually won something and, and it's not just a league cup or, or you know even an, an FA cup not to kind of downplay those achievements but th- this was the biggest club competition in, in the world isn't it the Champions League so so after they've gone so close and they got 97 points and they just missed out on the on the league title they went and won the, the biggest one of all so for me that was when pretty much everyone in this Liverpool squad went uh, into Liverpool folklore and obviously him being just the sixth Liverpool captain to, to lift the, the European Cup. Um, that was the, what was it, fifth? That's I think fifth, it's the fifth, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he used it twice, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the, the possibly the moment for me. And, and one of my, we, we did a piece last year kind of talking about your favourite Liverpool image picture. Um, 
and the one where Henderson's walking onto the plane with the uh, European Cup in one hand and his wash bag in the other with his, his sunnies on. That for me just spoke a thousand words and it was almost, I came, I saw and I conquered. And um, yeah, he's, he's, he's an absolute um, legend, isn't he? And he'll go down with the, the, greats, the great captains of, of Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, it's some esteemed company, isn't it, Matt? The European Cup winning captains, Hughes, Thompson, Souness, Gerrard and Henderson there as well. And I suppose being the driving force really within that dressing room after 12 months previously losing to Madrid, making sure he got the team back there and he was going to get his hands on the cup. Yeah, I wonder if maybe in the future we'll look back and, and think about Jordan Henderson and, and actually take his achievements for, for what they were. Maybe at the moment for, for some Liverpool fans, it, it's more difficult to, to look at that bigger picture. But I think once Jordan Henderson moves on, and, and hopefully that's not for a good few seasons yet, but you know, once he, he does move on and we look back at it as a whole, maybe you kind of will appreciate it a little bit more and, and put it into a bit more context. I mean, in terms of the achievements, of you, as you say, to, to be the first Premier League winning captain for Liverpool, to, to take them to, to two Champions League finals and, like you say, to, to bounce back as well in that second one, it, it just speaks volumes for, for the kind of, of character and, and person that he is. And you know, just to, to sort of go back to, to the England thing in terms of, of taking him, I'm sure, you know, if you asked any of the England squad, any of England's senior players, would they want Jordan Henderson to be there? I'm sure they would all say yes. We saw a few weeks back, the, the Harry Kane interview with, with Gary Neville, he was talking about Jordan Henderson in a positive way. I'm sure if you sort of spoke to, to anybody that's been at Liverpool in the last couple of seasons, they'd say exactly the same thing. So I think you, you kind of have to look at, at the trophies, the achievements on that side of it, the sort of appreciation that he's got from the rest of the footballing world, I'm sure. And of course, he mentioned it before in terms of, of him being the organiser during COVID and, and for all of these sort of charitable uh, events and that kind of thing. All of the Premier League captains, I'm sure, look up to, to him as well. When you put all of that together, I think it, you kind of then start to, to get an appreciation of exactly what he is as a captain. And then you put in the footballing abilities as well. It, it kind of is basically the, the full package. Yeah, and I suppose, of course, you can underline the importance he has to Liverpool when, whether I suppose maybe you take the Champions League winning 11 or what you nominally think of Liverpool's strongest 11. And unless I need correcting, he's the only player who kind of hasn't been brought in during the Jurgen Klopp era at the club or sort of come through the academy as Trent has. And I suppose Jurgen Klopp couldn't really have inherited a better captain or role model around the place when he walked in. No, exactly. I think you probably, if you went back to, and Jurgen Klopp first joined, there's probably something that he said along those lines. You know, he, he's he's my captain, he's the club's captain, and, and he's he's going to be staying with staying with the armband. He's just been a fantastic leader and, and a, um, very very selfless as well. Um, I remember speaking to him last year, just before the, he was lifting the, the Premier League title the day before the, the Chelsea game, actually, and, and we were speaking at Anfield. And um, Think, I think my chat was was probably his third of the day, and, and he'd spoken at length about himself. And, and I kind of, I was with an earshot of a chat he did with the BBC, and he'd spoken at length about his dad's cancer diagnosis and, and how he initially struggled, you know, to make the grade at Liverpool and so on. And uh, and we had a bit of a different idea. We, we thought, kind of, knowing knowing the, the man that he is, um, he won't want to kind of talk too much about himself. He, he's very much about the team, isn't he? Whenever you speak to him, so. We had the idea to, to talk about his teammates, kind of get the inside track of of this Liverpool squad from the captain. And as soon as I told him the idea, he kind of puffed out his cheeks and he said, oh, that works for me. Because he, he doesn't want the spotlight on him. He's not someone who, who looks for it. He'd rather 
talk about his, his teammates and, and he just said, well, I'm going to say a lot of nice things about a lot of uh, great people here now, aren't I? And, and that is, is what he did. And he didn't, there was no kind of hint of ego or anything like that. I'm the captain and I'm going to lift the Premier League title. It was very much about the collective and, and that is why he is such a, an important figure at the club. Yeah, no, I suppose leading off that point, Doyle, he gave that emotional interview, didn't he, with the PFA after winning the Football Writers Award as well. It is with Jordan Henderson, the whole story that kind of goes around the achievements that he has brought to Liverpool. Yeah, well, it, it, it's a lot of his Liverpool career has been against adversity, isn't it? It's like even thinking back to 2019, about April 2019, I think it was at Southampton away, where yeah. I can't remember whether he was on the bench or he came on or, or something, where... I think he. I think he was on the bench, wasn't he? He came on towards the end. I know he certainly set up a goal. He maybe even scored. I can't exactly remember. I think remember. he did score, did he not? Yeah, he, he, he did. Back yeah. in that offensive yeah. midfield yeah. role, wasn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Because he was back in because he, he come on, hadn't he, for that? And it's that was around the time where you're thinking, like, is he going to play? And I'm, did, did he not? He didn't start. Was it the Barcelona away game? He didn't start that either, did he? I think that's right. Or, or was it half an hour? Um, or was it Bayern Munich? It was one of those two where he didn't Bayern start. Was Fabinho come on after yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So even then, you look at those big games, important matches when Liverpool were going for the Champions League and the, and the league, and well, there was a bit of rotation in there. He'd have been absolutely not happy to, to not be playing. And you saw from you know the way that he played when he came on in those games, that, you know, what he thought, and he, he doesn't want to be left out. So even now, he's, he doesn't take anything for granted. And then, of course, the, the other thing is, which we haven't touched on, and hopefully we'll never have to touch on it ever again, is with nobody being in the stadium, you can ask Gorsi the same thing. When Liverpool are playing, the one, one thing you can hear is him. Like he's telling everybody he's telling everybody how to do everything. So there was one game, it was the Ajax game at home in the Champions League, where he went down the wing and he passed it inside and Nico Williams was playing because Trent was injured. And he more or less told Nico Williams what to do. He went, go inside, cross it. And when he obviously goes inside, crosses it, and there's Curtis Jones at the far post to score the only goal. So while he didn't have any direct contribution to the goal, basically told one of his teammates to exactly what to do. That's what he's like. And I would imagine for some I'd imagine for some players, they might get a little bit annoyed with that. But there's never, ever been any sense of that from when you know, me and Ghost have been at the games of any Liverpool players turning around to him and telling him where to go. I think they know that he's doing it for the right reasons. And for every time he says something like, you know, that wasn't particularly a good piece of play, he'll just say great play, whoever it is. So he's always encouraging people. So he's a captain in the truest sense of the word that he's leading by example, but he's also leading by what he's saying and what he's doing. And for, you know, there's a lot of people who think that being a captain in a football team isn't quite that important. It's all about being the manager. It's just, you go on and shake hands and, you know, hand over the pennant or whatever they do these days. But he's proven that, there still is a role for it. And I'm pretty sure that if you plays for England and say Harry Kane can't play or goes up or whatever have you, you know, he'll be he'll be the person that all the England players look up to. Yeah, no, I remember speaking with Kevin Bull actually not long after starting at Blood Red and he had him in the youth team at Sunderland and said he was always back out on the training pitch and it was always that drive and that determination and that team spirit and, and stuff. And I suppose, Matt, he came in early parts of the FSG venture at, at Liverpool and Damien Camoli of course was buying a lot of young players a lot of British players as well but I suppose as much as they may well have thought this will be a long-term investment that pays off and boy has it for Liverpool they wouldn't have seen those characteristics or been able to quantify them maybe in the way they were doing with data and stats for some of the other signings. 
Yeah, no, it's it's not maybe something that you can quantify quite easily, but it is something that Liverpool do look at. They do background checks. They think about these sorts of things. They'll speak to, to people before they bring players to the club and, and try and sort of assess the, the way in which they will fit into the squad. I'm sure that's something they do probably far more now than, than what they did then. But I'm sure if you did those background checks, like you say, with, with former youth coaches and, and things like that with Jordan Henderson, I mean, you can't really, you know, get bigger praise really than, than what he would get in terms of, of what people think of him. And yeah, like you say, you know, for, for £16 million, obviously it was a lot of money at the time. It was a lot of money to, to pay for, for a 20-year-old player who, you know, has obviously come through at Sunderland and looked like a, a, a big prospect, but wasn't necessarily at the time a player that you would automatically associate with, with moving to, to Liverpool. I think, you know, that just added to, to the pressure and, and made his job even more difficult. But again, it, it sort of helped to, to build him the, the mentality, the adversity that he overcame, even in that regard, it, it must have been difficult. It's always difficult, I think, particularly for a young player to move to a club as big as Liverpool. But Obviously, when you've got that price tag on your head, probably inflated by the fact that he is English as well, I think that is only going to make it more difficult. But yeah, uh, an absolute bargain in the, the period that has, has gone by since. And I'm sure, you know, that there's probably a few other clubs looking at him at that particular time. I'm sure they would no doubt regret that they didn't make that move. Yeah, Doyle, before we go, he's only 30, albeit has had 10 years at Liverpool. But what next for Jordan Henderson? What left is there for him to achieve? Uh, well... Could win the European Championship for England and score the winning penalty. That would be quite funny. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Liverpool is just more of the same, isn't it? I think. I think what happened, what happened over the last season, I think, is if there was any sense that they didn't have any hunger after winning those trophies, that's completely gone. So they'll be very, very keen to to make amends. I mean, they're in the Champions League, aren't they? So they're going to have that base from which to build, and I think he'll he'll just relish getting in amongst the, the the midfield of Premier League games, Champions League games, whatever have you, you want to play in all of them. So I don't think there's any 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 difference for him. And I think he'll just look he'll be looking forward to a little bit of normality with the fans being back in. So I think for him it'll just be same again. I think long term he may end up he may end up if he wants to, he may end up assuming kind of the James Milner role at Liverpool because James Milner can't go on forever. And I think you know his influence around the place would suggest that what would be better playing, I don't know, 30%, 40% of the games for Liverpool at the age of 35 or 34 or going somewhere else and playing every single week where he probably won't enjoy it as much? They'll be down to him. So we won't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, as long as, well, how long has Klopp got left on his contract? Another three years? Yeah. I think, yeah, three years. He'll be there for that duration. And I think what he decides to do after that will probably be that'll probably a good time to see, see what's coming next. He could end up being a, a coach, you know, so... You know, there's there's an awful lot that he can do, but for right now, he'll just want to. The only thing he'll be bothered about is playing for England against Croatia if he can on Sunday. Yeah, and Gorsty, 392 games for Liverpool. No question of a doubt, he's going to break the 500 club, is he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he won't get near uh, Ian Callaghan or Jamie Carragher's records, but yeah, he'll, he'll um, you know, bringing up that 500 mark is, is massive, isn't it? Um, you don't really see that too often. That's a figure you kind of. Think of the likes of Gareth Barry and James Milner and David James, you know, these people who've been around football for the best part of, of two decades. So, yeah, he'll, um, he'll push on money and he'll get. Uh, so, what is he there? About 108 or so off this 392, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what's that? Best part of another two seasons, three seasons? Yeah, he'll, he'll bring that up. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Well, that's it from us here on this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. My thanks goes to Ian Doyle, Paul Gorst and Matt Addison for joining myself, Guy Clark. Thanks too for you for watching and listening in. Until next time here on Blood Red, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.